All right, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Thank you for your patience with me last week. Last week, I was not feeling so great. And uh, I was clutching this table with all of my might. I just wasn't feeling good. And uh, God, God's so faithful. Can you say amen? And, and his word still accomplishes what it needs to do. Uh, so... Uh, I had so many people, well, that was a short sermon, so I have bonus time today, is the way I understand it, so uh, this, should be, this should be fun. Uh, the title of my message today is Bad Water, Bad Water. I want to compare your life <laughs> to bad water, uh, I, I want to compare your life to a city found in 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 19. And there is, this is just a short passage that we're going to look at, just four verses. But I think God has a message for each of us here today as we take a look at this real close. And um, I'm praying. Here's what I'm praying. I, I'm praying for people who maybe have it all together on the outside, but on the inside, it's a different story. I'm praying that God can bring healing to the bad water that might be on the inside that maybe nobody even knows about. Let's see what God has to say. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's word as we read this together? If you don't have your Bible, you can follow right along on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Here's what it says. The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated. It's well situated. As you can see, but the water is bad, and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put some salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word that Elisha had spoken. So, Lord, I'm asking you that you would bring healing to the bad water that might be within us, Lord God. I pray for a touch in the parts of our lives that maybe nobody else sees, that maybe nobody else is aware of, but God, you are. And so, Lord, let your word speak to us today, I pray, and we'll thank you for all you do. It's in Jesus' name, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. Bad water. Now, these four verses really give us an interesting story. Um, and what I want to do, I want to I compare just a few elements of this story to our lives today. Because again, we, we, we have reached a, a time in our culture now, okay, where we have a lot of people in the American church that kind of, we, we know the look, right? We, we, know, we know what churchy Christianity looks like. And we can really fulfill a lot of the externals pretty easily. I am a self-confessed church brat. I grew up 
in the church. Rock River Christian Center is my home church back in Illinois. And I, I, grew up, I grew up going to church every time the doors opened. Folks, even when it rained, I went to church. <laughs> Think of that. Every time the doors were open. And back then, back then, man, it wasn't just once a week that I went. Uh, they say now the average church goer in America goes once every three weeks. I'm telling you, I went three times a week. <laughs> Minimum. And then sometimes I just showed up when there wasn't a service. And the pastor was like, why are you here? Yeah. So I, I, grew up, I grew up churchy. And, 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 and so I, I don't have a crazy, I shouldn't say crazy, but I don't have this uh, exciting testimony, you know, like I was in a biker gang and God saved me, you know. And I know that surprises a lot of you, but, uh, you know. But the worst thing I ever did was run with scissors, right? Okay, so that, that's, that's the extent of my sinful life. But having grown up in the church and, and, and serving Jesus for so long, since I gave my life to Christ, I, I, oftentimes I learned how to look the part without the part on the inside matching what was on the external. And I saw this story about a city that was well-situated, the scripture says. It had the look, but the problem was the water was bad and the land was unproductive. And it needed something desperate in order for that city to survive. And I want to tell you today that you can only function so long with just the externals as far as a relationship with God, as far as church, as far as religion that will only take you so far. But when the inside matches the outside, okay, then, then you have life. Then you have life. So I want to compare this city to you. And let's see what the Lord might have to say to us. So I've got just three points today. I have 27 subpoints, but I have three <laughs> points. <laughs> None of us have a football team that we're cheering for right now anyway. Can we say amen? So <laughs> might as well stick around a while. Oh, don't bring that up. We'll need another altar call. Here we go. <laughs> number one, number one, I, I want to look at the town. Let's look at the town again, okay? Now, we've already talked about this, but in verse 19, we get a description of this city, of this town the people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see. But the water's bad, and the land is unproductive. Now, could it be that perhaps if there was an inspection of maybe some of our lives, we would very much have the outward appearance like everything was just fine? See, because we know when to raise our hands. We know when to stand up and sit down and fight, fight, fight. We, 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 know, we know it all. We, we, we know the drill. I knew, growing up at Rock River Christian Center, that in between the fourth and the fifth song, Sister LaVon was going to have something to say. Okay? I knew what... Psalm number 240 was. I knew the hymns 
by the numbers, folks. And nothing was more boss than being able to close your hymnal during the fourth verse and sing it from your heart. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's what Street Smarts was in the church. That's as gangsta as I get, folks. I am as white bread as you can have. It's sad. But I, I, I got to confess that there were parts of my life, though, that didn't always, didn't always match the church scene. See, there were points in my life, even though I grew up in the church, and maybe you're like me, and maybe you're, maybe you're hearing this and you say, boy, that, that's, that's me. That you could have the external, you could look like you're well-situated, but, but in all honesty, like this town, you might have some big issues. And just real quick, I'd like to point out what the big issues were of this town. Uh, maybe we could relate to some of this. And number one, this town was very unproductive. Because the land was unproductive, the scripture literally said that, the land's unproductive. So there's, there's no growth there. You can't grow anything there. It's good for nothing at all. So life could not even come from this land because there was nothing, there was nothing being produced in this city. Could it be that we have been around God, but, but we are not allowing God to produce anything from us because, and what the American church is so guilty of, sometimes we love to consume more than we love to contribute. And, 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 and we love to spectate, but we won't participate. And what happens is that little by little, the inside of us, it, it, it can become very much unproductive. Which then leads me to say that not only was the city unproductive, it was also unsuccessful. The city was not only unproductive, it was unsuccessful. The, 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 water, the water could not be used for anything. I mean, can you imagine that? Have you ever, like, worked on a hot day and you are so thirsty? Right? Well, actually, let me back up. Here's a better story. My wife just told me this story. Somewhere in her office, there was, somebody brought in a two-liter bottle of Diet Coke. Dated when, honey? 1986. Okay, students, that's before any of you were born. Am I correct there? Okay, okay. Wow, the 80s. Remember that? The hair was big. Okay, that's before. No, I won't say that. Oh, boy. It's going to make a Michael Jackson joke. Uh, but, and, and, and so what they did, uh, y'all just... You were daring people to drink it, correct, in the office? And nobody would, and nobody would dare drink it. <laughs> and Mitch says, I would, <laughs> for the right price. And that's why you're awesome, Mitch. And so, so, they, put, so they put the two-liter in the fridge, right? Or, or, okay, on the counter, on the counter. I'm so glad I rehearsed this story with my wife before I decided to tell it. And, and, and. And lo and behold, some of you might remember Sam. He helped us in the, uh, in the giveaway. Uh, she, he works with my wife. And he comes up to my wife and says, what's up with that Diet Coke? 
It tastes terrible. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Wow. And uh, now he has superpowers and he flies. So it's pretty amazing what happened. But what a letdown, right? I mean, have you ever drank something? It's just like, oh, this is going to be so good. That's just horrible. And that's just a bit of a, no pun intended, just a little bit of a taste of what this water was like in the city. It was not good for anything. It was horrible water. You could not use it to do anything whatsoever. It did not help anything. In fact, uh, lastly, it was, it was unquenchable There was nothing about this town that brought any fulfillment. There was nothing about this town, even though it was well-situated, there was nothing about this town that brought any satisfaction. As the great prophet Jagger once said, it could not get any satisfaction whatsoever. Give me another chance. Just give me another chance. Some of you are thinking, I think he's sick again. (laughs) Might be. But look at this again, okay? This town had some huge issues. It was unproductive, unsuccessful, unquenchable. So on a serious note, that's a lot of lives that I've run across in the church, We're producing nothing. Nothing satisfies us. And we really are unable to do anything of any value because we're just there. And God doesn't want this for you. That's not God's desire. Not at all. So what do you do? What do you do when you may look like you have things all together on the outside? But on the inside, it's a different story. Well, we get some interesting insights as to how Elisha handled this. And that leads me to our second part of this message. We saw the town, but look at the tools that, he, that are used here to bring healing to the water. And this is found in verse 20. He says, bring me a new bowl. And put salt in it. And so they brought it to him. Now, let's, let's, let's break these down just a bit. What, what tools do we need to utilize if this is our state, if, if this is our situation? Number one, there's a command. Don't miss this. Okay? Elisha, look at our city. It's well-situated. It's in a good spot, it's, but our water's terrible. The land is awful. What are you going to do? I need a bowl. <laughs> Let's try this again. The water's bad, and the land is unproductive. I need a bowl. While you're there, put salt in it. Okay. It's like me and French fries. Just bathe that in salt. That container, well, before I get to the container, that command was odd. 
Can we be straight here? I mean, we know the end, but do you think that's what they thought the response was going to be? Our land needs healing. Cool, I need a salty bowl. (laughs) And here's the thing. If you want to see things change from the inside out, if we want to see it change, then we have to be totally obedient to the Lord and his commands. Let me say it again. If we want to see things change from the inside out, then we need to be totally obedient to the Lord and his commands. I'm sure they thought, you know what Elisha's going to do? He's going to like call down fire and he's going to purify everything that way. He's going to like have angels show up. It's going to be cool. It's going to be great. And, and the guy says, I need a bowl. And you know what's funny is that sometimes we approach God and we say, God, God, change my life. I want to be this. I want this to happen. And God will say, okay, then I want you to do this. Uh, That doesn't make sense to me. So I'll just go ahead and go forward with my plans. Until, God, you come up with something I agree with. Until, God, you come up with something that maybe I'm more comfortable with. You know, it's easy to obey a lot of God's commands, but it's also very challenging to obey a lot of God's commands. And the test of your maturity is whether you are willing to obey the uncomfortable ones. If you're willing to obey the ones that don't make sense to you, if you're willing to obey the ones that go against how you're wired, and they go against of how you're made, and they go against the kind of person that you are. Some of you hear that word forgive, and you would rather slash someone's tires than forgive that person. And God says, no, 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 don't do what makes sense to you. Do what my word has to say. Some of you, God has been trying to get through to you and you refuse to allow God to make you uncomfortable. And that's why the water's bad. Because you would rather be a person of comfort than character. And the commands of God will often not make sense. That is a test for us to say, God, you know what? I don't even get this, but I'll do it. I'll do it. So there was a command. Number one was the first tool. Number two, there was a container. There was a container. Now, I want you to notice something about this container. Okay? The key word was not the word bull. The key word was actually the word new. (laughs) He said, Elisha said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. And so they brought the new bowl to him. If you want change from the inside out, then you have to constantly make yourself new before the Lord. Let me try it on this side. If, if, you, if, you, want, if you want change, okay, there, there has to be a willingness to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put to death the old stuff and I'm going to make myself new. See, here's the deal. Okay, a lot of us, when we're serving God, we don't understand that oftentimes we got we to crucify some stuff, sometimes every day. 
we wake up with an attitude or an agenda or a thought process or a mindset that is not glorifying to God whatsoever. And so before our feet even hit the floor, sometimes we get to say, oh God, I got to crucify this attitude. I got to crucify this temptation. I got to crucify this, this sin that I keep on giving into. I have got to make myself a new person today. We see this theme all through the scriptures. Look at the book of Ephesians. I believe it's chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verses 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new. Say the word new. In the attitude of your minds and to put on the new. Say, say new. <laughs> to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a new self that you put on. And that's just not one time when you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, amen, and then you just wait to die. That's a daily process of being made new. Colossians 3, verses 7 through 10, says you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in, in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The container was a new container. You are the vessel, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are literally a container for the Holy Spirit. And that needs to be made new every single day. And that's when the water can start going from bad to good. There was a command. There was a container. And then thirdly, there was a cleanser. Salt. The secret ingredient to everything. That and butter. <laughs> Someone say amen to butter, right? Okay, all right. Just checking, all right. You know, there are some things, there are some things that salt does. And it's interesting that Elisha called for salt. Because what does salt do? You know what? Salt purifies things. It does. Salt will, will bring uh, purity to something that is infected, for example. That's why there's the use of saline solution, for example. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a... There is a cleansing that needs to be taking place in our lives. If we want the water to no longer be bad, and we want the water to be good, then we have to ask God to purify us on a regular basis. This past Wednesday, we talked about the sanctification process, and that's a fancy word for saying, I'm going to reject the devil, and I'm going to devote myself entirely to God. How many of you know that's a daily process, right? How many of you know when you got saved, you didn't have it all together? 
some of you still don't have it all together. This preacher doesn't have it all together. And so every day I'm in that process where I'm trying to purify things. God, chip away from those things that aren't of you. Make me more like you every single day. That comes when I confess any disobedience and any sin to the Lord, and he will forgive me. Salt not only purifies things, salt also adds flavor to things. Mm. Give me extra salt with my McDonald's french fries. There you go. Now revival's breaking out. Yes, the salt revival. And some of us, God just needs to add some flavor back to our lives because we haven't enjoyed our walk with God in a long time. You know, even David prayed this prayer in Psalm 51, verse 12. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It could be that some of us, what's standing in the way of our water being from bad to good is that we need the Lord to restore our joy, to restore our contentment again. To maybe not focus on what we don't have, but on what we do have. Let me also say, because God's been dealing with me on this, God doesn't love you because of what you do. God loves you because of who you are. I'm a doer. I'm a driven doer. (laughs) And sometimes I associate God's acceptance of me by how much I get done. And I need to realize that God is the same God who loves me the same way no matter what I do because he didn't die for my task list. He died for my soul. So Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation and Finally, salt preserves things. It preserves things. There is a uh, couple verses from the book of Jude. It says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior, be glory and majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. He is able, to him who is able to do what? To keep you from falling, to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before his glorious presence. God is a God who not only saved you and walks with you, but preserves you and keeps you. Amen. And that's encouraging to me. I'm going to close with this. And again, That means nothing. But I want to close with this word, the transformation that took place. And Jonathan, if you could help me. So he calls for a new bowl and with salt, and he he does his thing. In fact, the scripture says this in verses 21 and 22. He went out to the spring, and he threw the salt into the spring saying, this is what the Lord says. I've healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word that Elisha had spoken. 
Things might feel dead to you, dormant to you, lifeless to you. I want you to know that God is the God of transformation. And this is a living transformation. He wants to take those things in your life that are dead and unproductive, and he wants to bring life to them again. That's what God does. That's part of this process, is that he doesn't want you to live in this unproductive dead zone until you get to heaven. He wants you to understand that there is life to be had in him. This is a living transformation. I'm reminded the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus has come to give you life, and life more abundantly. And I believe that that life more abundantly is not just reserved for that moment that we no longer live here on earth, but I believe abundant life starts right now. And there is a living transformation that no matter what your circumstances are, there is life. No matter what has gone on around you and even in you, there is life because it is a living transformation. And finally, it's a lasting transformation scripture says it's still good the water's still good to this day hear me I'm not talking about some quick prayer on a Sunday and by Tuesday your life is derailed no when God gets involved and when you allow God to heal the waters Not by might, not by power, by his spirit. As his Holy Spirit moves in your life, then th- th- this is not just a temporary band-aid for your spiritual funk that you're in. No, 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 no. This is deeper and better than that. This is not only a living transformation that God wants to make in you, but this is also a lasting This is life transforming and it stays with me forever. I am not the same. It causes people to look at me and say, what is going on with you? And all I can say is, God is just doing something in my life. Things were dead. There was no joy. There was no peace. But God's changed everything in me. I've let him heal the waters within me. I confess some stuff to him. But I'm doing things his way now instead of my way. I want to be made new every day to the Lord. And when you do that, that's transformation. And it's not a quick fix. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. So I wonder today, I wonder if there's any bad water in here. I, 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 I wonder if we have anybody within the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or, or watching us online, you, you find yourself saying, you know what, Pastor, that describes me. I, 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 I know how to look like I've got it all together, but on the inside, ah, uh, it's a mess in here. The water's bad. I need, I need something different. I need God to change something. Then remember the tools. There's a command. God has a word for you. 
God wants you to obey him like you've never obeyed him before. Hear me today. Obey him and let God deal with the consequences of your obedience. If you're afraid of what happens because you obey, don't. That's not your problem. That is God's problem. I don't know who that's for, but someone needs to hear this. You obey the Lord. You obey the Lord, and then don't you worry about what happens with your obedience because God's department is kicking in right there. That's when God says, okay, you did your part. Now I'll do my part. So don't you worry about the consequences of your obedience. Don't you worry about doing what God wants you to do. Don't you worry about how uncomfortable it makes you. You obey God no matter what. You do what he's been telling you to do for so long. And he'll make the bad water good. God, make us new. Make us new. Purify us, God. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Make us new again. Maybe those are the kinds of prayers that need to be offered to the Lord today. That's what I want. I want you to go to the Lord this morning and pray those prayers. God, forgive me. God, I confess this to you. God, give me life again. Lord, restore to me what I had before. God, give to me what you really have for me that I have yet to experience. God, I'm having a hard time obeying you. I need your help. He gets. You're not going to surprise him, by the way. He knows. So why do I got to pray it? Because you need to pray it. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. Will you stand with me? Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this today? Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm asking you now that you would just work in the hearts and the lives of those that need to hear from you. God, those that need to pray prayers.